What used to be the second most important championship in this entire industry held by such legends as Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage, Rick Rude, the Mountie is now in the hands of an incompetent woman. Mountie? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Greetings Grapple fans, it's time once again for two differing generations of individuals, but don't worry they're two blokes, to talk about one facet of pop culture with such rigour, such detail, such intensity that you would think it actually served some sort of purpose to understanding the human condition. And you know what? Maybe it does. Yes, it's the professional wrestling podcast that is called... Let me tell you something. I'm your co-host, Lorcan Mullen, and with me as always is the Moondog Rex to my Moondog King, the Moondog Spot to my Moondog Spike, the Moondog Splash to my Moondog Splats, Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how are you doing today, mate? I'm not doing too bad, not doing too bad. It's funny you mentioned the moon, um, because at the time of recording, we are currently at the longest day in the year, so this is actually the least we'll see the moon this year. (laughs) Yes, very good, very good. Um, but since you live in Leicester, you see plenty of dogs. Slam! <laughs> Look, Maryland's deliveries <laughs> and their meat supplies. Look, I'm, I'm just saying, at 3am in the morning, you're not caring where that's coming from. <laughs> uh, so, yes, today we are discussing, we've been talking about different ideas that we want to discuss. Uh, we're going to give you a little bit of an update at the end of this as well as to where Let Me Tell You Something's going to go in the next few uh, months. And perhaps even years, we don't know yet. But it's been a thing we were discussing, and amongst the things we were discussing is what we want to talk about for the next episode. Now, this was an item that I'd always wanted us to discuss, but I kind of wanted us to put it on the back burner so that we could do a two-part episode. Because I've always wanted to do an episode about wrestling belts, championship belts, which are the best designs, what makes a good belt, what makes a bad belt. And then I wanted it to be followed up with this episode, because, spoiler alert, if we ever do do that episode, this will be the one that I will champion, no pun intended, as being the best belt design of all, a specific period in the belt's design. Um, But we also wanted to go a bit of a step further with that, and we wanted to tie it in with maybe talking to some sort of... um, Metal urgist, some sort of uh, <laughs> jeweler, some so, someone who someone who is far more fashionable than these two pasty some, white men. 
Yeah, someone who works in maybe trophy creations or, or the like and just to see their perspective on the different designs and what makes a good one and a bad one from their maybe non-wrestling fan eye. But So that's something we might do in the future. But this topic, it was it was a pick of Simon's and I think it's a good pick to do anyway, regardless of whether it would have been part of a two-parter or not. What will we be discussing today, Simon? Today we are discussing possibly the one of the most... Oh, I was going to say it's like a, it's like bread on a table. Um, <laughs> if, if if a WWE pay per view uh, was was a dinner table, um, th- this is quite like the bread. It's sort of like, it's never never really noticed except for some rare occasions, um, but it's always there and it's always an important part. I'm talking about the Intercontinental Championship. You, you look, wrote that uh, metaphor on for as long as you could, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Lorcan's bemusement just emanating through the screen here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yes, it's the IC title. Um, oh, sort of like... Sorry, Argentina nearly scored. <laughs> I've got to, Since you know that it's the 21st of June, you might as well also know that I've got Argentina-Croatia on the side... On, on the sort of picture-in-picture situation right now with Siren. But don't worry, <laughs> listeners. I will not be unattentive. He says... Looking at the corner of his screen, um, but no, the uh, inter- whipped across him. It's over the bar. You did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, Guerrero did. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, but no, we're talking about the Intercontinental Title to bring this vaguely back on topic and not to horribly date ourselves any further. Now, before we go on any further, Simon, let's bring up something that might be the main reason that we even have this conversation. Pat Patterson, Ken Batira, Pedro Ramos, Don Morocco, Tito Santana, Greg Gonzalez, Randy Savage, Ricky Stonebill, The Honky Tonk Man, The Osmo Royer, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, Kerry Von Eric, Bret Hart, The Mountie, Rowdy Roddy Piper, The British Bulldog, Shawn Michaels, Master Genetti, Razor Ramon, Diesel, Jess Jarrett, Dean Douglas, Dean Douglas, Goldust, Armour Johnson, Mark Merrow, Triple H, The Rock, Owen Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ken Shamrock, Val Venus, the Road Dog, Jesse James, The Godfather, Edge, D'Lo Brown, China, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, Rikishi, Eddie Guerrero. Sorry, I should have said Stevie Richards back then. Um, Rikishi, Eddie Guerrero, Billy Gunn, Kane, Alberts, Landstorm, Christian, Test, William Regal, Rob Van Dam, uh, Randy Orton, Carlito, Shelton Benjamin. Oh no, Randy Orton, Shelton Benjamin, Carlito, John Morrison, uh, Umaga, Santino Morella, Kofi Kingston, uh, CM Punk, John Bradshaw Layfield, Rey Mysterio, Dolph Ziggler, a whole load of people after that that I could never get the right order in. <laughs> See, when me, the first time I sort of became aware of Simon's level of fandom with wrestling was when he was in the audience for my first ever preview of the show Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. That then led to the Edinburgh Fringe Show, which then led to the book that I plug at the end of every podcast and about two of you have bought. Buy it. This... <laughs> have you read it yet, Simon? No. <laughs> Neither if I bought it. <laughs> but you got to see the first draft of it in a way, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. And, and one of the pieces I did at the end uh, in the show was to just suddenly l- list off all of the Intercontinental Champions that I then, at that point, knew. Although I knew I forgot something... And then at the end of the show, you came up and said that I'd forgotten Steve Blackman. And that led to anger on my part because, no, I didn't. 
But I did forget someone. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, just to obviously like paint you, put you guys in the picture, a lot of a lot of this is lost without um, the visual element of what I've just witnessed. You may think, oh, well, Lorcan was reading off notes. Uh, you know, he's got it in order. No, no, he was just wistfully staring off into the distance, racking his brain. <laughs> <laughs> racking his brain as to why Croatia is defending so, def- <laughs> so poorly. But, um, yeah, no, and those are, a, it's a very varied list. Um, but what I think what I want to get to, though, Simon, is and some of that's because uh, I'm an older man and I don't have the memory capacities maybe that I once did, but also I'd like to think that I've reprioritized my, uh, my life so that maybe I don't want to hold this sort of knowledge as fervently. He uh, says, co-presenting a wrestling podcast. Well, that's all right to pontificate. That's actually trying to use it for a means of conversation or a means to try and push things forward and to look at things from some sort of... um, I'm using it as a means of interaction and keeping up a friendship and also, you know, challenging myself, getting a hobby, putting myself out there, hopefully helping raise the the stature of... Like, I can have reasonings behind why I do this podcast that are a lot more valid than reasons as to why I would know every intercontinental champion (laughs) from the first holder to the last. True. And but what is I think is also key with the fact that I forgot as it went along was that I think that the Intercontinental Championship itself falls so in and out of importance that they don't think it's important for us to know that well anymore either. Yeah, now, that's not to I... say like some twenty-four-year-old that was into wrestling and like into the nerdy statistical stuff that I kind of was when I was like in my early twenties doesn't know the Intercontinental Champions and we'd be able to reel them off from this era as easily as I can reel them off from like the 90s and the, you know, when I was getting into wrestling. Um, So I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything to them, but I think the choppy nature of it and the fact that like up until the the mid till the late 90s, it was very rare for anyone to hold the Intercontinental Championship twice, let alone five, six, seven times. I mean, as time of recording, Seth Rollins just lost the Intercontinental Championship to Dolph Ziggler, who is now on his sixth reign with that belt. Which takes him, like, tied fourth or something like that. Well, do you want to have a look at it now, Simon? What do you think? Who do you think has the most combined days as Intercontinental Champion? Combined day? Oh. I'm inclined to say Jericho purely because he's got the nine reigns going for him. So I'd say Chris Jericho. You are 14 places off, my friend. The one with the most is Pedro Morales, who has, (sighs) the annoyance of Rey Mysterio, has 619 days combined with his two reigns with the title. Um, Chris Jericho, on the other hand, has, depending on their putting it as recognized by the WWE, has 319 days. Now, if you divide 9 by 319, I mean, that's less than a year. That's just over, what, 10 months? Yeah. So he was averaging one month per reign. Whereas up until the late 90s, the majority of Intercontinental Champions held those belts for a decent length of time. And that's been applicable to all. Like the Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, well, the Honky Tonk Man's the classic example. But before then, Randy Savage held on to the title for 414 days. I'm just looking at them right now. So let's have a look now. I'm just, I've am just i gone the Intercontinental Champions. So 
Dolph Ziggler, if we're going to go by the uh, Japanese tradition, Dolph Ziggler is the 165th Intercontinental Champion. It's changed hands 164 times. So here are the total number of days for each of the first... Let's, let's say the first 20. This is a good comparison, actually. The first 20 Intercontinental Champions, and I'll give you the number of days each of their reigns were. So Pat Patson, 233 days. Ken Patera, 231. Pedro Morales, 194. Don Morocco, 156. Pedro Morales again, 425. Don Morocco again, 385. Tito Santana, 226. Greg Valentine, 285. Tito Santana again, 217. Randy Savage, 414. Ricky Steamboat, 65. The Honky Tonk Man, 454 days. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior, 216 days. Rick Rude, 148. The Ultimate Warrior again, 216 again. Uh, Mr. Perfect, 126. The Texas Tornado, 84. Mr. Perfect again, 280. Bret Hart, 144. The Mountie, 2. So the <laughs> Mountie, the 20th champion, was the first one to be that transitional champion in the truest sense of the word, in that he was there to get the belt to Roddy Piper, who could then get the belt back to Bret Hart at WrestleMania. Yeah. Now, let's conversely look at... Let's just pull out... Let's go from the 100th to the 120th. Okay. So, the 101st, which was Chris Jericho, quite appropriately, who beat Christian in a ladder match to win the vacant title. He held that back for, belt for 37 days. Then he lost it to Shelton Benjamin, who held it for 244 days. Who then lost to Carlito, 90 days. Ric Flair, 155 days. Shelton Benjamin, 69. Rob Van Dam, 15. Shelton Benjamin, 41. John Morrison, 99. Jeff Hardy, 35. John Morrison, 7. Jeff Hardy, 98. Umaga, 56. Santino Morella, 77. Umaga, 61. Jeff Hardy, 191. Chris Jericho, 111. Kofi Kingston, 49. Santino Morella, 85. William Regal, 70. CM Punk, 49. And it, and it goes on like that. The majority of these title reigns are taking no more than 100 days now. And that's with, you know, a lot of them just to... Like, there's Luke Harper holds it for 27 days, then he loses <laughs> to Dolph Ziggler, who holds it for 22 days. Who went 0-12, now, by the way, during his reign. Yes, I remember you saying that. Yes. And that's where it's a sign that it is as... There was a thing that Triple H said in the CM Punk documentary where he says, "Oh, there's a thing that the belt makes the man rather than the man makes the the man makes the belt rather than the belt makes the man." And I always think that's a bit of a bullshit cop out, especially since Triple H has always been a man that's been very presented very strongly when holding a championship belt. He's very belt focused. Yes, if you're Luke Harper, there's only so prestigious you can make the belt look if they book you to lose 12 times in a row whilst you're holding the belt until you lose it. Yeah. You know, if they give... Seth Rollins has just come off of a really strong run with the belt, and that's because they've done a variant of the of the John Cena US Open Challenge. And so him losing the belt was being built up to a big moment, and some will find it a bit deflating that it went to Dolph Ziggler in the way that it did, a handful of the tights, and just sort of a... Not at the end of a feud or anything like that. And who knows, maybe Seth Rollins will win it back a week from now. Maybe. Maybe. Probably not. I think he's being... I think it's a path player. Yeah. Move up a step to probably maybe challenging Brock Lesnar sometime soon, or maybe Braun Strowman, or something like that. Yeah. So... That's where I think that the Intercontinental Championship is only as important as Vince McMahon feels like it should be or the booking committee feel like it should be. When it's on a Seth Rollins, if it had been on a John Cena, I don't think John Cena's actually ever held the Intercontinental title. He has not. 
No. When it's on a when it's on someone like that, when it was on Randy Orton when he was getting his first big push, when it was on um when the United States title was on John Cena when he was between WrestleMania's twenty and twenty one. Yeah. Then the significance of the second belt and what the second belt is kind of supposed to represent very often is actually upheld. Yeah, I mean, one thing I hadn't realised um, and found out over the course of my research earlier is that on, if effectively on two occasions, the IC titles either have been tossed aside or been sort of absorbed um, yes. as part of a, of a, a WWE or World Heavyweight title storyline. Obviously, you've got um, the beat. Well, the irresistible force versus the immovable objects in your era, and sort of towards my era when Kane. Um, so you're talking about. Let's just make clear. You're talking about when the Ultimate Warrior fought Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania six, and it was title yeah. versus title. But he wasn't allowed to keep both. No. Which that was that was a rule that they'd held they'd held onto from Bob Backlund's days yeah. when he won the. Um, tag team championships with Pedro Morales, I think, who was Intercontinental Champion at the time, possibly. Uh, they won it from the Wild Samoans, but they weren't allowed to keep it because they were too tight. They, they both held two titles and that wasn't allowed. So they brought that rule in again. But then I remember four years after that, Diesel won the tag team titles whilst he was Intercontinental Champion, and they said that wasn't a problem. But then he lost the Intercontinental title literally the day after. Yeah. But, yeah, I know what you're talking about there. And the other time was with like the whole Triple H Kane thing, where like yes. he had every title going and then lost it all, and then it was absorbed. Yes, it was. Well, I think it was the. Um, well, I think it was just a gradual thing, wasn't it? I think Rob Van Dam beat Tommy Dreamer when he was Intercontinental Champion, and Rob and Tommy Dreamer was Hardcore Champion. Yeah, and that was them absorbing the belts. And then he beat Jeff Hardy when Jeff Hardy was European Champion, and that was them absorbing the belts. Then Rob Van Dam lost it to Chris Jericho, who lost it to Kane, so that he could lose it to Triple H. When and I think they really did that as a means of establishing the um, what the, the it was at the time of the brand split, mm. and it was Bischoff saying there'll be only one champion on the show, and so they absorbed. It. I think they always intended to bring it back. Yeah, it just a case of let's get this thing settled for a while because it fits into the storyline. Because um, when I think they, Yes, all right. When it was returned, it was during the co-GM era, yeah. and Stone Cold returned it, and Bischoff was against the idea. Yeah, and I also think that it was a means of trying to raise up the prestige of the World Heavyweight Championship that was essentially, whilst it was the same gold belt design of the classic Ric Flair WCW era, it didn't hold a true lineage of itself. It was just a trinket that Triple H was handed one day. Yeah. So in order for them to raise the prestige of that belt, it, it sort of absorbed the history of, of the, the other belts. Yeah. And also became the sole focal point, the only championship belt on the show. Therefore, that makes him look more important. Therefore, that makes that belt look more important. And uh, and so then when they maybe felt confident enough that the roster split was how it was, and they also probably wanted to... I think they'd, it was around that time they also introduced the United States title to SmackDown... Upon the return of the IC title, yes. Upon the return of the IC title. Well, it was interesting. Like I said, they were trying to balance it all out because at, at that same time, 2002, whilst the Intercontinental Championship was being uh, uh, absorbed, the new SmackDown Tag Team Championships was being created. So that made it 
each roster had. Raw had the the world title and the world tag team titles. SmackDown had the WWE Championship and the WWE Tag Team Championship. Raw had the Women's Championship. SmackDown had the Cruiserweight Championship. And that was how they could define it. One singles, one tag, one quote-unquote... Sideshow. Novelty. Unfortunately. <laughs> side, yeah, sideshow is yeah. probably the kindest way of putting it. Um, subdivision or, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... That made sense, and that was fine, I actually think, because I think they were always going to bring it back, and I can understand why they just retired it for six months. Um, but already at that point, the Intercontinental Championship had started to lose its luster just through the chopping and changing of its time. And I think, obviously, as with a lot of these things, when you talk about a championship and, and you debate its importance, one person on one specific side will be Vince Russo, who sees a belt as nothing more than a prop. Uh, as a you know, it's sort of like the Ark of the Covenant. It doesn't actually mean anything of itself unless you make it mean something, and it's just another. And it, which is, I can see why he thinks that, but I think he's misguided for thinking that because that was at the time where, to be fair, I don't know if that was all his doing during the time he was in charge. But like the TV title was thrown in the bin, um, the the cruiserweight title was given to a joke announcer and also given to a woman and like a mixed tag team. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it was, it was, well, I always pimp, if I was to pimp, the Intercontinental Championship started to lose its luster. I put it down to when Road Dog beat um, Val Venus for the title out of nowhere, just before WrestleMania 15. Um, because it was a title shot that made that was oh. because oh Modric has scored it's two 0 it was a oh, Jesus. <laughs> they're going home Argentina might be going home if Iceland win tomorrow that's pretty much it yeah because Croatia have six points and Iceland have four points and Argentina have Croatia will have six Iceland will have four Argentina will have one but Iceland have to play Croatia yeah so Argentina would have to win and they would have to get some good goal difference their way as well yeah against the Super Eagles yes Nigeria no pushovers well I don't know. I think Iceland will beat them tomorrow. They've got a very cool kit. They do. <laughs> anyway, that's crazy, man. Well, this it, is safe, but it's so hard. Argentina was so close to not qualifying in the first place. Yeah, I know. I think people forget to look at the qualifying records. Yeah. Well, that was why maybe. I always wanted to give Iran more credit than a lot of people were because they like blitzed it through. So, it. so unlucky yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, still in it though. Mm. They've just got a pitbull's sad. (laughs) (laughs) They've just got a knockout of Portugal, but it's possible. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't making it to the cut. Um, you've got a lot of editing. Where was I gonna go? Where was I going? I'm gonna have to turn it off. It's too distracting now. (laughs) That's game over anyway. Game over, man. Game over. Um, yes. So. What happened with the road dog 
uh, winning is that it just came out of nowhere. There was no continuity storyline sense. The title itself was treated as very much of an afterthought at WrestleMania 15. Then the next night he lost it to Goldust, who then lost it to The Godfather. And The Godfather was a character that just I didn't associate with any any aspect of what the Intercontinental Championship was there for. And then it goes to Jeff Jarrett and it's chopping and changing and chopping and changing. Mm. Also, I was never a fan of the redesign. It, looking back on it, it's not actually an ugly looking belt, but just like I've, I've said, like the, the classic Intercontinental Championship design is my favourite belt design of all time. Mm. Um, I grew up on the uh, redesign. Mm. Um, it's got a little bit of soft spot in my heart. Yeah, actually. I, I could quite understand like why, it. but it was oval and it was weirdly small, I thought. I always thought, like, belts were yeah, no, redesigned. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Bigger. Whereas the Intercontinental yeah. belt, for whatever reason, was shrunken. And it was like the yeah. proportions of an actual belt in a weird way. But, like, bigger than a normal belt, but in that same sort of flat... You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, the overall itself mean. wasn't a larger thing. Yeah. Um, just, like a, just like a belt buckle. Yeah, and it set. just also didn't... Yeah, and I just... I didn't... Well, I, I did hate it, I guess, but I didn't hate it as much. I just yeah. thought, like, whilst you look at what the WF... The first WF champion... It's not my least favourite belt, you know. There's plenty that we'll say for that discussion. Um, But it was still serving its purpose. And, like, I would say, like, how would you describe the Intercontinental Championship in its classic form? What was its purpose to you? What should Um, be its purpose? Well, to be honest, uh, it's the same answer to both both those questions. It's it's a kingmaker belt. It's it's a, a belt for someone who's not quite at the peak yet. Not quite in the um, world title picture to get introduced to that conversation through the way they carry the belt. Um, for our Mount Rushmore, that's what that's the sort of theme I focus on. What personifies that? What are the wrestlers that actually personified to me what its role should be and what its role ha- was, especially when you were growing up? Um, this is one where... Because uh, sometimes I do think you look for uh, like you've got a bit of a rose tinted glasses thing, which we all do for the things we went we saw when we were children. But in the case of the Intercontinental Title, I'm inclined to look at your era and like it's one of the, you know it's one of the few times I can say yes, it was definitively better than mine when it comes to the IC title. Don't know, obviously, if you're inclined to agree with that or I think that it was not abused like it is now. There are times when they bring it back up to what it should be, but there are times when they lose all focus and all purpose. And when you've got, like... I think in the WWE now, there must be about 14 different champions. Well, let's try and add it all up right now. What have you got? you got Universal... I mean, including NXT. Yes, including NXT. So the three brands. Okay. Universal champion. WWE champion. WWE champion. Intercontinental champion. United States champion. Raw Tag Team Champions, SmackDown Smack- Tag Team Champions, Raw Women's, Raw Women's Champion, SmackDown Women's Champion, Cruiserweight, Cruiserweight Champion, Nine. NXT Champion, Ten. NXT Tag Team Champions, Eleven. NXT Women's Champions, Twelve. NXT North American Champion, Thirteen. WWE United Kingdom Champion, Fourteen. Very soon, United Kingdom tag team and women's champion was oh, that confirmed 
Yeah, they announced that, yeah. Right, okay, so that's 16. 16 titles in total in the WWE. Not all of them are under the, the control of Vince McMahon. Yeah. Uh, am I missing anything? Are we counting Braun Strowman's greatest Royal Rumble belt? <laughs> no, no, because you don't defend that no. yet. Um, you also got the Money, Andre well, the Giant. Money in the Bank's like a yeah, half yeah, title. Yeah, it can be. You got the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Technically, it's technically a championship because it's mm. defended. Mm. It's mad when you think about it. Yeah. So compared to like your days, you had like kid, three. Three, maybe four. You can, if you count the women's championship, which was rarely a focal point during the later. That was more like an Andre kind of yeah. thing back then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just a novelty, um, which obviously they, they couldn't compete for. Now, mm. I disagree to a, a point with you saying its only role was as a kingmaker. I think there were two differing roles for the Intercontinental Championship. It was okay. either a step or a ceiling. It was either a step to the next level, which is what it became for Bret Hart, for Shawn Michaels, for The Ultimate Warrior, for Randy Savage. But it was also a peak achievement for some wrestlers that ultimately were defined by that championship and really weren't ever really designed to go any higher than that. The Honky Tonk Man being a classic example of that. Or Tito Santana. Tito Santana, yes, exactly. Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. Um, because at that point, as much as anything, what the Intercontinental Championship's purpose for very often was to headline the B circuit of house shows. When the WWF's bread and butter money making back in the day was the live show attendances. They have four pay-per-views and the TV shows served to mostly advertise their characters. That's what Vince McMahon's always been great at, branding and presentation. And when and I think the reason that you don't see many bad parts of the 80s was because it wasn't reliant on Vince McMahon as a, as a show-by-show storyteller slash soap opera showrunner. He was essentially mm. like a co-head writer with Pat Patterson. And really, maybe... Like, like if you were to say a typical episode of Raw has, what, 20 angles? Yeah. Well, three out of one, yeah. WWF would probably film 20 angles a month at best. Not counting squash matches. I mean, like, barbershop segments. I mean, earthquake sneak attacking the Ultimate Warrior by posing as a fan. Yeah. I I mean, um, Jake the Snake Roberts uh, finding out that his wife's face has been airbrushed onto Rick Rude's tights. (laughs) <laughs> like you do that and that one segment that one three four minute moment in a in a in a tv taping they run on repeats on all the syndicated shows and that's their house show feud for the next month yeah and so the intercontinental championship especially during your times of randy savage and honky tonk man whereas you've got the hulk hogan headlining the a shows all the time or not even all the time, but defending the WWF Championship as the good guy, whereas the the, the mid-card storylines for a lot of that time was the chase of the heel champion trying to um, hold on to the title. That was Randy Savage's storyline. And then after they got it off him, went uh, with Stick- Steamboat for two months and they put it on the Honky Tonk Man, that was his storyline for a year and a half, basically. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I, I was surprised you didn't also mention it as like the workhorse title, which is what a lot of the people always say it was. It really wasn't for like 
long stretches of time. The Honky Tonk Man, no one would ever consider him a workhorse. No one would ever consider the Ultimate Warrior a workhorse. But there's like, there's the other end of it, where it's like they're setting him up, they're testing the waters to see if he could work as a replacement for Hulk Hogan. At the very least, he's a mini Hulk Hogan that can run the B-shows feuding... Your sound's dropped. ...that he can run the B-shows feuding with Andre the Giant or, or, or Rick Rude or someone like that. Do that one again, just because the sound was inconsistent. Um, so you got from what stage? Um, just how it was never was the workhorse title, but it wasn't really. Like I think I was, I was wondering if you might have brought up that line that they would say, like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels said in their most recent DVD, that it was like the, the workhorse championship. And at times it was that when guys like Mr. Perfect, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels wouldn't necessarily get the well. Shawn Michaels was at the time Bret Hart was champion, but you know Mr. Perfect and Randy Savage. They weren't up there on the world title spectrum, maybe because they weren't considered big enough or large enough, but they could work, and they were reliable. They were maybe the best wrestlers on the roster at that time, and they could defend that title, and they would have good matches, but that was never what the Honky Tonk Man was there for. The Honky Tonk Man, no one would ever call a workhorse. No one would ever call the Ultimate Warrior a workhorse, and they were two of the longest reigns of that era. And that's the funny thing in terms of one of the people that, it has had a lot of success with the Intercontinental title, but you don't really think of... Because you don't think of him as a workhorse, no one really mentions him when you talk about the Intercontinental title. That's Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett doesn't really ever get mentioned when you talk about the IC title. I think Jeff Jarrett's one of those guys that has all the fundamental technical tools and could have great matches. You look at, like, his... No, 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 okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not... Shawn Michaels and, and other people like that... This isn't me slighting his technical ability, but what my point is, is he's not seen as a workhorse, and therefore he's not mentioned with a title which some people do view as a workhorse title. I don't think... I think if people view it... It doesn't fit the mould of what an IC champion was. Yeah, I think if people view it as a workhorse title in its entirety, then they're kidding themselves, because they were... Like I said, the Godfather was neither... A workhorse, no one would ever call him that, nor was he going to make a step up to the world title. Nor was he going to headline his own shows, really. He was just a mid-card novelty act. And people like them, that's why you never had the Bushwhackers holding the tag team titles. That's why... Back then? Yeah. If the Bushwhackers were in the modern era, they probably would I don't know, because Enzo and Big Cass never got to hold the the tag team titles, Uh... and they never will now. Well, never say never with wrestling. No, but yeah, we can hope. <laughs> um, so that's why I think the problem with the Intercontinental Championship is sort of lost any kind of identity. It was these series of different roles that it could be, but then it was just there. It was just we have to have someone be champion. Oh, okay, we'll have Chris Jericho be champion for a bit uh, because they can't think of anyone else to put it on. Like they, like they'll put it on Curtis Axel. But then they won't have any plans beyond that. They won't like, follow through with it. Why hasn't yeah. this worked? Well, if you That's a great worked, example. Because you know. he won it on Father's Day. Obviously, his dad's synonymous with with the old classic belt. And it was the old classic design that Curtis won. But, but yeah, they just never kicked on with it. Partly because that whole Curtis Axel experiment was weird. Deeply weird. Okay, so like, here's a question for you. How many times has Bret Hart won the Intercontinental title? I want to say, I'm just going to cart back to my memories of my research. I think he's only won it the once or tw- twice. And who did he beat to win them? Uh, Piper at Mania. 
I don't I can't remember the first one. Is it Bob Backlund? No, no, no. It's Mr. Perfect. Summer Sam 91. Yeah. Here's another one for you, though. Uh, how many times has uh, the Ultimate Warrior won the Intercontinental title? Twice. Do you know who he beat for those? He beat... He Didn't he beat the Macho Man for one no, of them? No. He beat Mr. Perfect for one of them? No. Oh, I don't know, though. He beat... The... <laughs> To be fair, you're young, so you might not know, but I would know. He beats the Honky Tonk Man, and he beats... Um, uh, he I beat, did know that one. That's Rick annoying. Rude. He beat Rick Rude for it. Let's think of a yeah. more recent one, then, that you might know. Um, how many times has... I'm trying to think of someone from your... Uh... Okay, how many times has Randy Orton won the Intercontinental title? I think he only held it the once, That's right. Didn't he? Yeah. Who he beat? He beat RVD. Correct. So here's one, though, for you. How many times has Wade Barrett held the Intercontinental title? It's five or six. It's I think it's five. Five. Can you name any of the people he beat to win that title? Oh, Christ. Um, the Miz. I know it because it was a WrestleMania pre-show and Miz won it back the next night. Yeah. I can't remember which mania. Yeah. Any others? But that was pointless. Um... Any of us that he beat, I want to say Ezekiel Jackson at one point, but I think that's just purely because um, I was listening to his podcast the other day and he was talking about um, Ezekiel Jackson. That might just be stuck He's in my head. He's got a podcast as well. Christ, no, no, sorry, he was on Jericho. Oh, okay. Well, I just looked it up. He beat Kofi Kingston for it twice. He beat yeah. Big E for it. There's a horrible pattern emerging here. And he also... Saved you? <laughs> no. He beat Dolph Ziggler for it as well. Ah, uh, Ziggler makes sense. But the, the, do you know what I mean? It was just, it was there. And like, he won it off yeah. Kofi Kingston in March 22nd, 2011. And then suddenly he won it again off him on December 29th, 2012. But Biggie not... would have had that just after, like, I'm, I'm, I'm exp to expand on your point, sorry. Mm. Uh, but Biggie would have had that just after he split from Ziggler as like Ziggler's henchman, where his character was sort of not kicking on a great deal. Yeah. If memory serves me correctly. And I think he had it when they faced Team Hell No at Mania. Mm. No, he didn't. Sorry, I'm, I'm going completely off balance here. But yeah, I think he had split from Ziggler and he just didn't have a, a lot going for him apart from being that big dude. Croatia won 3 0. Since Argentina had. Yeah, man, because they'd need to. If they get four points, they'll need goal difference to help them out. Yeah. Iceland have to beat Nigeria tomorrow. Fuck, man. Nigeria are going to fancy their chances as well, though, now. On the flip side, true, true. That's thought, actually, because if... Argentina could still qualify, though. If they've got... If Nigeria win... Yeah. Then they've got three points. Iceland have one point. Argentina have one point. Argentina play Nigeria. They beat Argent They beat Nigeria. And Croatia beat Iceland or draw with Iceland. Yeah. Then they can still go through. I think they are, I, I do think I don't see Nigeria winning. Mm. I just don't see. It. I don't think they they would. That game. I mean, annoyingly, it was the fourth game of that day, but it was objectively terrible. <laughs> Abject, objectively, abjectly terrible. <laughs> Indeed. Um. So. Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett. Big E. Big E. 
Curtis Axel, all of these guys, they should be defined at least. Like if you said, if you, if someone's an intercontinental champion, that should be something that you'll remember within like, if you said, name me 10 things about this guy, one of them should be that they held the intercontinental, name me 10 achievements that they've had. You should be able to list that they won the intercontinental championship. You might not be able to do that with them. And that's that's what that's doing a disservice to the Intercontinental Championship. Hang on, sorry, run that one by me one more time. If I said like before, you'd have realised it. If you like, if you hadn't remembered, like say I would have said to you, Simon, list me maybe ten's harsh. List me five great achievements the Biggies had in the WWE. Yeah. I don't think you'd necessarily list him being Intercontinental Champion as one of those. Ah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, New Day, Tag Champ, Merch. NXT. Oh, see, I forgot about that. Mm. See, uh, well, yeah, he's not it's one true. of the definitive NXT champions, but... No, he's pre-like indie darling NXT, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Back when he was actually developing people. <laughs> yeah, back when he was like the uh, the baby face against the shield. He was doing a five count as well back in those days. Yeah. When he won the belt, when he won the NXT belt, he said, I wanted to thank King Kong Bundy for stealing his gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> Something along those lines. Um, so, I don't want to shit on the Intercontinental title entirely because, you know, it's unhygienic. But also because it is still... Like, look, when, when I was a kid, I dreamed of holding the Intercontinental belt. Probably with as much, like... I would have been as excited to do that as I would have if I held the WWF title. Like Chris Jericho says back when he was growing up, his dream was to win the Intercontinental title because that was the belt that like Tito Santana had, that Randy Savage had, that Bret Hart had, that Shawn Michaels had. The small person's belt. Yeah, but like, like, only in relative terms. Like Mr. Perfect yeah, was relative. Like six foot two, 250 pounds of muscle. You know, he wasn't, yeah. he, he wasn't going to be wrestling Lince Dorado if he was to come along now, you know? Probably could. I'm sure he could um, have a great match, but... Yeah. But no, I know what you mean. Like, you know, the RC title typically didn't end up on guys built like Diesel or the Ultimate and Warrior. And was another thing that never used to happen with the Intercontinental belt. You never won it after you'd won the world belt. Because yeah. there was a clear delineation. The only exception to that for the longest time was uh, Pedro Morales. But he was really only the world champion because Bruno Sammartino didn't want to be for for that time. So he was <laughs> fine in the Intercontinental he, yeah. role. So that's what I mean by it was either a step or a ceiling. Whereas mm. now you're fluctuating back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's ridiculous that Roman Reigns wins the Intercontinental title after he wins the world title, and that's the final piece of him winning the Grand Slam. Yeah. Well, Roman, Dolph, Seth, Miz, Jericho, all Jericho. There's like five who have all had significant. Triple H once. That that was when they were trying to elevate the Intercontinental title because they wanted to do the. You know, for like Undertaker and Kane held tags, Austin and Triple H held the world and the Intercontinental belts. So that was the yeah. only reason they had Triple H hold the Intercontinental belt was to serve a greater purpose. Yeah, but the other examples you can't say the same. Kane can you? then won the Intercontinental titles from Triple H, and he'd held the WWF title. 
Did, did you get many where I'm coming from? And no, that, yeah, no. Like Seth, I do like Seth has kind of made it work. It's that idea that it's rejuvenated him, that he was never quite happy where he was when he came back and that the Intercontinental Championship has sort of brought that back into his energy. Whereas when Roman Reigns held the Intercontinental Championship, John Cena like flat out told him on screen, and I'm guessing he was told to say that, you treated it as like a trink like yeah. a, a, an annoyance. Mm. Which again is bullshit because they didn't book Roman Reigns to have his open challenge Intercontinental title match and let let him have a fifteen minute good match every night every week on TV, which he could do every yeah. bit as well as John Cena could do, but they didn't do that to him. That's that was what bothered me because I'm absolutely I love the John Cena U.S. Open title storyline and it's bullshit that they again kind of with Dolph Ziggler winning it that they just had him lose it to Alberto Del Rio in a sort of nothing going nowhere yeah. storyline and again the united states title then just becomes an afterthought he loses it to kalisto and then it's being wrestled with him and ryback on the pre-show in front of about nine percent capacity of whatever stadium it was they were wrestling yeah. at that wrestlemania I, I went to that wrestlemania and i didn't even get in to see that match exactly so that's my point that you can't you can't make an intercontinental championship mean something Unless you want it to mean something. And you can't blame Luke Harper or CM Punk or someone else like that if you don't present them properly. Mm. It's and that's why and that's why the Intercontinental Champion was always presented well. He was presented as, you know, a secondary champion, yes, but almost a champion within that own division in and of itself. Not a different weight division, but Almost like almost like that nineties when it was Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and and all those. It was almost like a prototypical X Division title. Yeah. Because you wouldn't get Hercules challenging for it. You wouldn't get um Andre well, he did challenge the Osmond Warrior for it, but so so again it could fluctuate. The Intercontinental Championship had differing meanings, but those meanings were always significant. Until yeah. the Godfather held it. And you felt like the Godfather didn't mean as much to him as like his hoe train. <laughs> Nothing means as much to the Godfather as his hoe train. But you get Except maybe the Nation from. of Domination. Do you get where I'm coming from? I do, I do. Because the classic My Generation's Honky Tonk Man was Santino Morello. Mm. And you went from a Samoan bulldozer, like a guy who was going to be groomed as being like the Don going forward. I think Umaga, they wanted big things out of Umaga. I disagree um, with that. I think Umaga did exactly what they wanted, which was work for about a year to be set up to be knocked down by John Cena and then continue to work as a decent mid-card monster heel. I think up in mid-card. I think they upper still, mid-card they for the most part, but then he was yeah. a bit more fallible. Really how they treated Rusev for a while until they then lost interest with him and he became a novelty comedy character. I think that yeah, would have successfully managed to rehab that, yes, thankfully. Very much so. But someone's saying it's a shame that he's gonna lose his championship match on Rusev Day. You know. <laughs> it's mental he's number one contender. <laughs> that was a brilliant I love it. That was a brilliant Corey Graves line. Um yeah. I think it was at a Royal Rumble and someone came out and Rusev wasn't there or something and said, um and today is not only their first chance to enter the Royal Rumble, it's their birthday. And they said he was born on Rusev Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 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 sorry. But then, like, Rusev, when Rusev held the United States Championship, that was when they could... Well, I guess we're just talking about secondary titles in general. 
Well, yeah, we've sort of migrated. Could bring up the importance of the US Championship because then it stood as like a, a nationalistic symbol. Yeah, they never mention, or when they do mention that, like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H and The Rock are former IC champions. They do it in two ways. Mm. Either it's like before a massive match when the IC title is like, oh, this this belt has been held by like Hall of Famers such as Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, or when people like Santino win it, it's like this is the same belt that Stone Cold, Triple H, and now look at that it, was look at the mess. The first time I can what recall, man would want her now? The first time I can recall that being used as a line was when Chris Jericho first. The first time used as a line was when Chris Jericho came out to challenge China for the title after she just won it, and that was again a time when the Intercontinental Championship was important because it was like that 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 to do with China and China was an important part of the show therefore they treated the belt with importance Yeah. and Chris Jericho came out and they said and to think of all the great champions that hold that intercontinental title until you ruined it when I think of the likes of Ricky Steamboat Randy Savage Rick Rude The Mountie <laughs> <laughs> you Canadian stand hero. up for your Canadians haven't you um, yeah. He all—he always got his man. Um, so it was always something. So it was something they were aware of even back then. And it's sort of so many times someone has said, "I'm going to rejuvenate the Intercontinental Championship. I'm going to do it." And they have them say that, and it's like, well, first of all, don't point out that the fucking belt doesn't mean anything that much anymore. You know, you don't—you don't bring it up. You just try yeah. to work away from it. And no one needs to point out the elephant because, in the room. Because you know, and the problem with that is because you know at some point in the future, now Seth Rollins has lost the belt, and then Dolph Ziggler might lose it to Drew McIntyre in a feud, and then Drew McIntyre might, they want to make him strong so they'll have him be beaten by someone. And before you know it, it's on the WrestleMania pre-show being wrestled for by Zack Ryder and Mojo Rawley. Mojo Rawley. <laughs> And then, and then, hey, so, hey, and that then, wouldn't be bad. And then they former Andre the Giant Battle Memorial winner, former internet champion. Yeah. And then they suddenly put it on Finn Balor, and Finn Balor says in a promo, "I want to bring back prestige to this title." And every time they're referring back to what you would say was my golden age of that title. Well, yeah. can you bring that back? Can you do that? And I don't think you can, for the simple fact that too many belts, too many cooks spoil the broth. And that's a problem elsewhere because, like, I don't know why they have a never open weight championship in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mm. don't know why they have it. I don't know why they bother with a never six man tag team championship. I really, honestly, don't think it's a brilliant idea to have an IWGP United States champion, but that's what they do have. Yeah, and that like the people that they have do defend them, and they're not, and they help. They're still kept fairly strong, but at the same time, there is that lack of... I mean, the six-man tag belt is an inherent joke within itself. Um, And so you can't... You can't say this is special when you can literally have an entire pay-per-view of championship matches, which they have done. And do do. Not a champions every year. It's It's like that line in The Incredibles. Everybody's special. That's another way of saying no no one's one's special. Yeah. When there was literally Hulk Hogan has the belt, well, no one's going to beat him for that belt, but there is a belt that yeah. someone could be beaten for. 
That's when the icy tart is more important. Mm. Yeah, I get, I get where you're coming from. I'd... But did the Miz rejuvenate it recently? Has there been a mini golden age for the Intercontinental title? Broadly, yes. Um, I think Seth's helped to kick on from that. Mm. I think Roman having it for, for all the flaws of the obvious mimicry of the John Cena Open Challenge. But they didn't mimic it enough. They didn't mimic it in the good ways. Yeah. I think that that helped having a big name. Well, Vince's pet project have a title that seems to be lesser than what a pet project should be associated with. My, I think that did help. My problem when they give the the secondary belt to someone that's clearly very important is that that means that they'll lose the belt. Either they'll lose it in very screwy fashion, and it doesn't make anyone look good. Like when Roman Reigns lost it to the Miz through the Miz's cheating. Yeah, but. It makes Roman look bad as well because he was susceptible to the Miz and he looked like an idiot and he didn't try that, to get his revenge. Really, I think the Miz is the exception that's the rule in terms of like modern heels. I think he's is, one of the few. Yeah, because heels heels obviously win clean a lot more these days. Well, the Miz is like as close as you get to a honky tonk man now. Yeah, yeah, in that he's someone that inherently will get booed at all times and can win but not seem like. Actually, a good example I always say was Rey Mysterio for a different reason. But with Rey Mysterio, he could conceivably lose to anyone, but yeah. he could conceivably beat anyone. Yeah, I think that's the same with the Miz. The Miz could conceivably lose to anyone, but on his day, he could have anyone. But on his day, he can he can find a way to win, whether it was Maurice or the B team or. Before then, Could Alex you Riley. imagine if, uh, for example, Miz was the one who beat Lesnar? He, he could. You could do like, it. You could do conceive. it as a storyline. You could almost do it as like giving him a, like an Eddie Guerrero, I lie, cheat and steal sort of way of doing yeah. it. That suddenly his cheating becomes endearing, and seeing him beat Brock Lesnar and it it's like it's like if some. It's like if some weedy kid got a lucky shot on the school bully and, yeah. you know, kind of, I guess, how Joey Styles apparently knocked out John JBL once. You know, you yeah. can get that one good shot in. I don't know. You work with, you work with like, the Sandman for that long. You're going to learn to handle, to handle yeah. it yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we've kind of gone all over the place. But, like, I just think there's that, that period. It's not almost like a dark age where... Could you even remember what year Ezekiel Jackson won the Intercontinental title? No. Could you remember who he lost it to? No. Could you remember if his belt, if his reign with the belt was three weeks or five months? Uh, no. Do you know what? That, that's that's my point, you know? Yeah. I can't remember if Ezekiel had a long reign or a short reign with that belt. And did I, you know he had the belt before I mentioned I it? I did know he had the belt. I do like to go on Sporkle.com and, and occasionally try and, and do those to see how... And I usually yeah. miss something out. If I miss anyone out... Well, I think for a while I would miss, like, Ezekiel Jackson out. Like, I'd try it every six months or something to see if I can remember. And then after I finally... Rem- I, like, I've always got Ezekiel in my head. Then I'll... It's like when I, one one name goes in, the other head... The other well, name comes out. out. And then you forget about, like, Test or Elbert yeah. or something. It's like when Homer Simpson... When I... Remember when I learned how to make wine, but then I forgot how to drive? You were drunk. That's because you were drunk. And, and how. How. <laughs> Um. So, yeah, I just... I, I, I'm not saying that it's 
that it's entirely because the WWE are so shit that no nerd will be able to remember it anymore. Maybe it's just my nerdiness can't reach that level. And You've reached way, apex. I'm kind of yeah. proud of myself. I've hit my ceiling. I was the honky tonk man of nerdish <laughs> wrestling knowledge, and, and maybe someone will be the short. Well, no, Michael. not 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 uh, the honky tonk man. The Razor Ramon. Like I was good for where I was. Um, yeah. So I think we could keep on going on about this, but we've got to put a time limit on it. Yeah, it's oh, it's such a free form topic, and we sort we sort of migrated it beyond uh, the the initial scope I thought it would have. Yeah. Um. One which just sort of talk, sort of talked about secondary titles as a whole, but well, I, mean, I think it was at this always point, quite different to the United States title, which yeah. really was something that main eventers would frequently hold in WCW and the NWA, like your your Magnum TAs and your and your Lex Luger's, Sting. and Stings. Sting held it several times because it was very much seen as the. Um, like, very often the United States champion would be programmed against the world champion. Like, they used to say that it was essentially the number one contender's title. Slot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Goldberg won the world title whilst he was United States champion. You know, Bret Hart held it. Uh, DDP held it. Plenty of people, like you say, Sting held it. Um, and I guess also the X Division, like AJ Styles floating backwards and forwards with that and Samoa Joe and the likes. Mm. Again... Like, it was almost a proto-X Division title. Um, I think you can protect the belt better, but I don't think you could ever make it mean as much as it could in the, as it did in the 80s and the 90s because of the landscape of wrestling now, anyway. Yeah. Like, wrestling just... So it's, not, of... so it's not entirely their fault? No, no. I think wrestling as a whole has, like, evolved... Sort of beyond the the glory days of the IC title, I do think because there's a lot of titles about now as well, and again people are more aware of other forms of wrestling. It it's less mystical. It's just get it's become lost in the shuffle. Yeah, well, yeah. When I was a kid, I was only aware of about maybe five belts in all of wrestling. Now yeah. you're aware of like fifty. Now we tripled that yeah. before we went outside the federation. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, New Japan has like eight titles or nine titles. Progress has four titles. P- who's the PWG World Champion is a very important thing. You know, because yeah. it's usually a sign of who's like the king of the indies. You've got all the Evolve and WWN stuff. You've got... You Ring know, of Honor. Ring of Honor, absolutely. TNA. And, you know, all of these people being champion should mean something. Yeah. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes the Intercontinental Champion means something, sometimes it doesn't. And that's a shame, because that didn't used to be the way it was. But, many things aren't the way they were. Argentina <laughs> okay, used to be a good football team. <laughs> that doesn't seem <laughs> to be Maybe the they case. will be again one day. <laughs> maybe they need to find their Miz. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and on that point, I, I think now, because the theme I put down for the, uh, the Mount Rushmore is... Uh, focusing on the individuals who have made the IC title mm. what we what we portray it as being as as what it should be basically. Okay. Um, I can't remember who went first last I think time. You went first. So you will take the lead this time. Maybe I went first. I don't know. I'll go. I'll go first this time. 
Because it's interesting, because obviously I think a lot of people would expect him in the list. And so I'm going to think that maybe you put him on the list, so I'm not going to put him on my list. So it's a bit of game theory. I don't think the Hong Kong Man really is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. There's a difference between longest reigning and greatest. Actually, yeah. just to quickly say, I think it's a great shame with Santino Morella. You really referenced the reign when he when he'd won it off Umaga and he was meant to be Italian. They haven't really defined the comic character. I loved the Honkamita storyline. And mm. I was so annoyed that they ditched it after about seven weeks, which again is kind of emblematic that they can't, they don't have that time or patience. Harry, yeah. Because you could have run that storyline for ages. Actually, I wouldn't have minded that he lost it, but then he won it back and then restarted the Honkometer. Because then yeah. it always means at any point that he could lose it. So it's not like this storyline won't mean anything until we reach like week 53 or something yeah. like that, you know? But when he, like, they brought the Honky Tonk Man out like seven weeks into it, and you're like, well, you've fucking killed it now, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you've shot your load, yeah, basically. Yeah. So it's like it's like Jason Biggs in American Pie. Um, <laughs> again? Is that possible? Anyway, he's committing a sex crime in that film. But let's not talk about that right <laughs> now. Um, so the four I've gone with, I've gone with Randy Savage because I think it was improving that he could take that step up to become world champion. Yeah. I'm going with Mr. Perfect just because that belt looks so good on him. (laughs) And he was that workhorse that I suppose they associated with. Um, And he was his own. He was his own thing to what was going on in the main events with Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. He was very much his own thing in his own world. Uh, But he could tangle with pretty much anyone on the. You know, he could wrestle a Jimmy Snooker or a British Bulldog or a Bret Hart or anyone like that. Yeah. Uh, Kerry Von Erich, so on. Uh, I'm gonna give the Miz credits because he did do something with it. And his storyline with Dolph Ziggler could have seen the Intercontinental title main event SummerSlam 92, which incidentally, I should say, the Intercontinental Championship match at SummerSlam 92 is my favourite match of all time. Although I'm not including Bret Hart in my Mount Rushmore, nor Shawn Michaels in my Mount Rushmore, because I associate them more with the WWF Championship. And I know Mm. Randy Savage won it as well, but I, I think Randy Savage's Intercontinental title reign was like one of the highlights of the Hulkamania era and, and <clears throat> it was allowed him to become champion during that golden age of wrestling when it was huge. Yeah. Whereas Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels' reigns came at a, a doldrums period in wrestling, really. So it was Randy Savage using it as a proof of a drawing of power as well. So yeah, Randy Savage, uh, Mr. Perfect, The Miz, and I'm going to go with Razor Ramon as my fourth pick. The first man to hold the title four times. I think the belt just looked bloody good on scott hall and he's one of the greatest wrestlers to never win the world title but i think that that can be offset by the fact that he was one of the great intercontinental champions he made that belt sort of his own little world whilst there were bret hart and Shawn michaels and diesel and everyone else doing it he was carving his own path he had his feuds with goldust jeff jarrett diesel Shawn Michaels, he had the famous ladder match and that brought about the ladder match as a, as a thing that was very often associated with the Intercontinental title uh, until Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy and Edge and Christian reinvented it as sort of a stunt multi-man spectacle. But they've done a lot of ladder matches for the IC titles, so they were still sort of imbued, mm. yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So those are my four. Randy Savage, Mr. Perfect, The Miz, and Razor Ramon. Simon, what are your picks? This is interesting because there is already a clear definitive winner because I have one of those four. Um, my first one is Randy Orton. Oh, okay. There's Spence building there. So that's Purely a, because... He's like a modern equivalent of the stepper. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is the beautiful, perfect example of Kingmaker. You look at the people he... You, you look at who he beat. Mm. Uh, uh, RVD... Uh, RVD's like sort of WWE like hot prime, basically, I'd yeah. say. Dan stuff aside. He was someone that could um, have been defined by the Intercontinental Championship more, and they... He was someone that could have been defined by the Intercontinental Championship more, and they didn't really ever go through well he, like i expected him when he won that belt for them to try and replicate the the television title reign that he had and he'd hold it for a year for over a year yeah. maybe and just have a big pay-per-view match every month or whatever it was against someone new each time and have those yeah. jerry lynn matches those balls mahoney matches those sabu matches but instead they had him lose it to eddie guerrero the next month and so every time he held it he wouldn't hold it for long enough that there was any real any point to it? No. Well, it's not that there wasn't point to it, but there just wasn't... I thought they were going to make Rob Van Dam one of the greatest Intercontinental Champions of all time when they did that, and they didn't. Yeah. I think he still held it, like, six times. But again, it's like Chris Jericho. He's probably got an average reign of one month for each of them. True. Because uh, they no, swapped Randy... the belt between each other twice on one night, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, like, like this is the thing. You're right with Jericho. It's like a lot of his stuff just comes from like little fiddly transitional things as well. So does that mean um, but, Jericho's not in your Mount Rushmore? Well, we'll find out. Ah. Um, but no, Randy Randy Orton is the perfect modern era example of IC title as Kingmaker. Mm. It's beautiful. He got it gave him the exposure. It gave him he got that unique it didn't start as being for the IC title, but the IC title was the crowning achievement of it. That mini interaction with Mick Foley, mm. that him hanging with a legend sort of Helped beating him them out at their own like, game as well. Beating them at their own game, the birth of the legend killer, mm. sort of through his IC title reign. Mm. Even though it wasn't referred to, he didn't refer himself as legend killer at that point, the seeds were sown. Mm. So you had a post guy who's turned on the faction winning the title mm. to win the title off the faction leader. You sort of had a post character sort of lined up. I don't know if that was intentional, but well, look at it it's this a way. good character arc to have. He lost the belt in July, he won the world belt in August. Yeah, and he's never held. Well, then he, I think now he's recently gone after the U.S. belts, but almost that could work. Like if you were to do it like a Pedro Morales thing, where he's just stepping down a level. Yeah, that's one. Like, like I say, you can have a world champion win the secondary belt, but it has to be there. Like the the like it's like with Tanahashi now winning the IC belts because he's sort of tapering really, off. He can't really get the heavyweight anymore because Okada has him beat. Has his number. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> so first pick randy orton second pick is chris jericho oh, okay. um for me that is the one i picture the oval uh ic title which is the ic title like i picture chris jericho wearing it mm. um even though you're right he didn't have a long period of time with it but just the, the moments most. he has he won it the most the moments he had with it are quite like defining as well um, but as Bubba Ray Dudley would say, if he's won it nine times, that means he's lost it. Lost eight it times. eight. Yeah. God but no, he just it, Bubba he, Ray. Me, that's he... not how maths works. <laughs> he 
he to me is just Mr. IC title. Um, and he's for, he literally is again right now. He is IWGP IC title. Title. So he's the, he's one of the only few few people in the modern era to do it in two different federations. Mm. So you know exactly. If we come back and say he's already a ten-time champion in WWE, that'd be amazing. Mm. Won't happen though. Um, third pick is Shawn Michaels. Um, I just think your, a lot of your Razor Ramon points are good, and Razor Ramon, I was umming and ahhing, and he ended up as an honourable mention. But I've picked Shawn because a he had what he had with Razor Ramon. And B, it's sort of, in a little heelish way, I love the way he sort of lost the IC title to Mike, uh, like that one-off, like, um, lost to, like, Marcy Gennetti as, like, his perfect comeuppance. Like, this guy had spent ages scratching, clawing, cheating, holding on to this prize, which at the time was his top prize, because you're right, there was a ceiling in place, and Shawn Michaels weren't going to challenge Hulk Hogan yeah. at that point. Um, but just to see him like, like, oh, you know, I've, I've, I've thought, I've clawed, I've like connived my way, and then having something from his past come back to bite him on the ass is just beautiful storytelling. Plus, what he did with Razor Ramon was like great, and it's one of the things I to go outside of wrestling completely. It's one of the things UFC are loving at the moment is. Um, this sort of like champion, linear champion versus interim champion kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, a lot of people don't like that. Um... A lot of people don't like that in wrestling, but I do think it adds a lot of intrigue in combat sports in general. I don't know. I think it just shows you that you're having issues with holding on to um, your champs, really, and that you've got. Well, some... not if it's through injury. Got, yeah, but you've got organizational problems at that point, and it's just I I disagree. I think it dilutes it. I think it's I think it's watered down vodka. Uh, an interim mm. champion. It can work sometimes, like when when Connor won it, when Jose Aldo wasn't there. But you know, I'm not. Yeah, a fan. little things like I'm not a fan personally. Yeah, and my fourth pick, purely because he has done the closest to a complete rehab we've seen of the IC title, and he works so hard. And my fantasy booking is he would have had a much better payoff. Maybe they'll still do it. Um, I'm going to pick the Miz. Mm. Purely because I do think compared, if you look at pre Miz last two reigns, what the IC title was and what the IC title is now, and how much he had he had to do with that, it's, it's hard to ignore. Mm. Like he sort of made it relevant in the modern age. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a. I don't, I actually don't know if the Miz is a great pick as a definitive. In all honesty, I think he's like a good person for a podium place. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, I get where you're you know coming I mean? from. It's like it's like it's like it's like. Well, that's he's won it on a technicality. That's the rules, yeah, that's the rules that we're going. Well, I do with. get where you're coming. Yeah, the as rules do state he's the defending one, but he has won it on a technicality. That was like me giving him almost like like a step up from an honourable mention. Yeah, it's like he's our he's our like a, a joint fourth place person yeah but it's just worked out that way the the rules are the rules however um you obviously um i'm gonna like to throw in the honorable mentions i did have razor in the honorable mentions i would have had sean and brett in the honorable mentions as well yeah um but i just think that they're they 
I think the Intercontinental title is enough of a less important part of their life. Like, they're defined more by their championships and also the fact that they did it... Um, I totally get that logic. I, I do get the reasoning for not including them. I think they surpassed the belt. Yeah. Which I know people would argue with Randy Savage, but I think Randy Savage... Randy Savage got to tangle with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania, and that's entirely thanks to his Intercontinental title reign. Yeah. Well, I think Shawn, Michael got, Shawn Michaels got to show his like, uh, character growth through the IC title. And, and, you if, look and at if what anyone popularised the notion of the Intercontinental title match stealing the show, it was that WrestleMania 3 show. And I guess maybe a lot of people would look at that WrestleMania 3 storyline, Ricky Steamboat, mm. Randy Savage match, and payoff as like the Intercontinental Championship at its best. And you can say the same for WrestleMania 10 and the ladder match as well. Yes, yes, you can do that as well. Yes, absolutely. That's like a 90s equivalent. Although yeah. I personally prefer the Bret Hart-Owen Hart match on that show. I don't. Not only do I not think the, rest, the, the WrestleMania 10 ladder match isn't the best match of the 90s or of WF ever, I don't think it's the best match of that card. That was, <laughs> that was my opinion, you know? But Bret Owen is good, though. Like, it, it, it is a toss-up, but... but... But that's something we can discuss very soon. But shall we talk about it now or shall we finish up? Is there anything else we need to add to the Intercontinental title thing? I sort of feel we've covered it all in a very, like, we've used very broad strokes yeah. this time around. I think we can talk about it more in the future. Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll do a follow-up about just secondary titles. That yeah. We'll have the Intercontinental Championship, but we'll also focus on, like, the IWGP Intercontinental title, the WCW US Championship, the WWE US Championship... Um, the Ring of Honor TV title, uh, ECW's TV title, ECW's TV titles, another good example of that as well. Um, yeah, and for the longest time, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, you could argue, was the secondary title. Yeah, but until then, X Division, great secondary X Division, title. yes, X Division. Well, the X Division is also one you could do an entire episode of. Um, if I knew, if I felt more confident in my overall knowledge of TNA, I always sort of <laughs> flitted back and forth with that. I know that you kind of watched it a lot more than I did. Yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a period where I did focus on TNA. Almost more than WWE yeah. a little bit at one point. So, what we are planning to do going forward is we are going to actually ditch these thematic discussion episodes for the time being. But let me tell you something is going to return. But I think it's just because there's only so many topics you can discuss. We've already done, what, 30 or so of these. Yeah. It's not a bad idea to take a little break if you want the show to hopefully go on for years and years to come, if we can. So we're going to try something a little different. We're going to try a little experiment. Simon finally um, tapped out to my constant locking him in with this idea. Uh, but to be fair, we might also do an extra project in between which we won't officially announce now we'll see how we'll dip our toe in the water maybe with that one yeah but you're not gonna have any official let me tell you something episodes for a few months but come the new year oh boy you're gonna hear a lot from us <laughs> simon do yes you want to take it from here what did i what did i propose to you and what are we about to do for the year of 2019 uh, you're basically exposing me to like um a lot of all japan Michelin star like level wrestling basically, uh, star being the operative word as we embark on an odyssey of rating of uh, reviewing and discussing the specific ins and outs 
surrounding every five star review Dave Meltzer match. Yes, we are. I guess what maybe triggered it in the end, uh, V triggered it almost. Yes. Was the fact that recently he broke that star rating systems yet again for the fourth Kazuchika Okada Kenny Omega match that was given a whole seven stars. Oh, so what we're going to do is we are going to watch every some of them we won't be able to get our hands on, but we will get we will do our level watch best whatever we can, and we will discuss every match that Dave Meltzer has rated five stars or higher. So this takes us from. Dynamite Kid against Tiger Mask in 1983, which, to give a sneak peek, I would describe as possibly the Velvet Underground and Nico of wrestling. See, I'm minus eight years old at that point, so that's just telling you how far we're going. <laughs> and at this point, although I'm sure by the time we finish recording, given That'll the rate more. that they're coming out at this point, we will be currently ending it with the New Japan Dominion show match between omega and okada but we'll also add on any five star or plus matches that Ke- that dave Meltzer adds after that hopefully there'll be another um johnny gargano yes so i'll be i sent simon a very intricate spreadsheet of all of the matches and hopefully ways for us to watch the majority of them we'll be bulk recording a lot of those over the period of 2018 so the goal is essentially to be releasing something every three days from January the 1st-ish onwards. Uh, we will come what back bef- just before then to do our now annual tradition of 2018 in review. And like I said, there might be a project we do in between. We'll see how we feel. That will be a short-lived thing. Uh, yeah. Maybe it will be easy, easy. We'll have to wait and see. So, leaving you on a very intriguing mm. uh, end there. Uh, hopefully we've whetted your appetite. Yes, I hope so. Because I do think, I always wish we'd started it already because the seven star thing, because it became such a big deal, we could have really promoted the shit out of it. On yeah. the like. But hopefully this does get us a bit more. Hopefully there'll be an eight, some eight these, star. Some of these episodes will be, I can imagine us talking maybe for an hour about the Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada or the Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon ladder matches, and we won't just be talking about. If it about takes the an hour to watch, yeah. it probably takes an hour to. We discuss. won't just be talking about the matches themselves. We'll talk about like historical context, and we'll also look at our own feelings of it, and and try and get, a, and also maybe try to understand what it is that makes Dave Meltzer tick. What is mm. it? Is there something that we notice a pattern amongst these matches? Because, like, I almost... Or maybe, like, a Vogue at the time. Just a general wrestling style. It's It's one style favoured over the other at a certain time. Yeah, why does he like these things above others? Because, like, to to give you an idea, I also looked at the four and three-quarter star matches that he raced, and, like, if that's a hit, if this is such a hit, we could even do that as a sequel. It would be interesting. Maybe even more interesting to look at the matches he gave minus stars to, if we feel like subjecting ourselves to that. Um, now you're just about to crow, crowbar in a Boab segue, aren't you? We'll save that for another time. Um, yeah, I, so I think I think it's an interesting idea, not just because I thought of it. Hmm. Um, I think we might ha- end up hating wrestling, even though it's like you can't have you know you just you can't have. Oh, pizza, I'm actually you can't have pizza for, for the... every meal. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of hoping for the opposite effect. I'm yeah. sort of hoping just to like boost up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Will it be too much of a good thing? But also, like, like I said, maybe, maybe we can almost understand how Dave Meltzer ticks 
yeah looking. and you know so it might be a character study as much as anything maybe we'll even get the good man himself to talk with us later but like i said it's, it's interesting to look at all the matches that he gave four and three quarter stars for example simon at this point we will not at any point be reviewing a match with which involves brian danielson or daniel bryan but if we were looking at four and three quarter star matches we'd probably look at about maybe a dozen of them <laughs> so what tips it to that edge yeah what what makes mitsuharu misawa what makes kenta kabashi what makes uh kazuchika okada what makes Shawn michaels and rick flair so special wow I think we already know the answer to some of those. Um, but but we what's more? the unifying theme? Yes. Well, All right, Mr. Student. <laughs> but until then, if they want to get in touch with us, because we might go a bit... Uh, we might be going quiet for a few months. Simon, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, you can, they can get in touch with me on Facebook. They can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm Simon Cross Free. Um, so known because Dave Meltzer just thinks I'm average. <laughs> just all right. Yeah. Um, how can people get in touch with yourself, Lorcan? You're, you're a mid-card person. Indeed. <laughs> My name is Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple N for Norman. That's my Twitter account. That's my Instagram account. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Twitter. Find me on Instagram. And maybe even give a crack at my other podcast that will be coming out very soon. Best of Worst of British, where myself... Um, my two friends, Tom Hodkinson and Michael Bell, not my only friends, but they're two of my friends, watch incredibly bad British movies. Bad in many, many different ways. I sent Simon the trailer to some of these ones, and he, the trailers take it out of you. <laughs> Let alone yeah, like, uh, like... I don't know how like uh, in-depth you want me to go over the one you sent me today, mm. for example. Um, what what I will say is, it's a film I was already aware of purely because FHM like talks about it in great detail because one of their like oh, hot yeah. girls at the time is in this film. And basically, that's, all you that's, need the, to know. <laughs> that, that's the only reason I knew about it. FHM I, I, gave it four and a half tits out of five. Ugh, half. <laughs> See, why was five the measurement? Surely if you're measuring out of tits, you're going to have to have to have an well, even it's, number. Well, it's, it's one set of tits and one alien from Total Recall. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see. Ah, you weaseled your way out of that one. Flat time. <laughs> um, just, just, just so the listeners know, I just want to like them to get an idea of the level of preparation that's gone into like what you're exactly subjecting yourself to. Perhaps it's why you suggested we look at five star matches. Maybe, because... yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've eaten a lot of shit. I want some caviar. Which exactly. is classy shit, really. So how many of these have you watched now? I've watched twelve. I'm on to my thirteenth. We're gonna do them in blocks of fifteen. We're not gonna we're not gonna do it every single week of our lives. We might that might be it for twenty eighteen once we've got through these last three. And um, will it always be British? Or well, we, we, we're, we're flirting with other ideas. One idea I had because we'd like to get other comedians. The best or worst of Armenian would be classic. Well, that's the thing. We, we, want, we like this idea. There's so many great comics in this country right now that are like from all sorts of places, uh, all of the continents. And we do like the idea of maybe getting a guest from different countries and having them pick a notoriously bad film from their country for one series. 
So, like, for one series, you know, we get a great, like, one of my favourite Canadian comedians. We could look at a notoriously bad Canadian film like Porky's 2 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, one of my favourite Australian comedians. We could look at something from there. One of my favourite South African comedians. There's a comedian from Iceland who I think's great, and I'd love to like see. Like, oh, God. I Like, you know, like, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. That was initially... Israeli? That was done... No, there's an Australian version. I don't know why, but like, I, I imagine maybe it's because you don't mess with the Zohan. But I know that quite a few Israeli films get remade. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've I've watched the basically the Australian like version of. Oh, I now pronounce it chocolate. I can't remember its name. I will send you a link. Um, but maybe that that'd be an example. I now of pronounce you could... Bruce and Bruce. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> But until then, m- thank you for letting us tell you something. On behalf of myself, Lorca Mullen. And myself, Simon Cross. Have a great time. Until the next time, farewell, Grapple fans. Two months later, I captured the Intercontinental Championship. Very city, mind you. Listen to this room. music. And I became the first ever Eurocontinental champion in WWF history. Well, besides D'Lo Brown, but he doesn't count. We know that. 